Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. Today, we have a very special treat. Dr. Tom Buck is joining us. Now, Tom is the pastor of First Baptist Church in Lindell, Texas, and also the director of the G3 Expository Workshops. Thanks for joining us today, Tom. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Tom, just maybe for the audience, I think most people who uh, listen to my podcast will know you, but for those who don't, why don't you just give kind of a brief introduction of yourself? I'll be glad to. Um, I'm senior pastor here at First Baptist Church in Lindell, Texas. I've been here almost 15 years and uh, served prior to that for uh, as a senior pastor in uh, near the Tampa, Florida area, Clearwater area uh, for 12 years there. Um, and uh, love preaching the word. I'm also a part of um, the G3 Ministries board and uh, overseeing the expository preaching workshops in order to train men in how to better handle the word and preach uh, expositionally. Thank you for that. In fact, we're I'll I'll put links for anyone listening to uh, G3 the information on on the podcast so you can check those things out. If you're a pastor or you just want to learn how to exposit the word uh, better, I'd encourage folks to to look into those workshops. So, Tom, I want to jump kind of right into our subject of conversation today. We're we're doing this right before election day, and so right. I I want to make the comment right up front that this is not going to be be a political talk. We're going to do with biblical issues in, in this conversation. But let's just get right into it. I, I'm concerned, Tom, about what seems to me to be the inability amongst a vast majority of believers to distinguish between just what seems in my mind to be very simple right and wrong. I, I think 2020 has been a great year in that God in His grace has granted us a very clear view of things that we need to deal with in in the Western church. I want to bring up a a tweet that you had this week and and let you kind of comment on that. You you said in the tweet that there was a a gentleman who, who you spoke to in an SBC church and the, the pastor there was openly supportive of the Democrat Party, and I think the senior pastor was okay with that. And your response was this, and I quote, it's simple, immediately find another church. Could you elaborate on why you came to that conclusion and why it matters who your pastor does or doesn't endorse? Yeah, I think that, uh, first of all, you know, whenever you write a tweet, as you're well aware, you can't put all of the... Uh, things into it. That was the the final conclusion I gave with him. What is in the middle of that is he, obviously, I had hoped that people understood that he went and had a conversation with his pastors. That's why the past, he knew that the senior pastor was okay with it. He went and confronted that, which, so I don't think you just up and leave a church. Uh, you want to, first of all, seek to try to bring about reconciliation or repentance, depending on what the issue is. And they had also, you know, other people in the church were were okay with it as well. So it's, you know, because I even said, you know, if you can go to a members meeting, you might want to bring this, you should bring this up publicly before the church. So at the end of the day, I was just saying, when you all boil it down, if the if the leadership of that church is open, openly endorsing, at least in their voting for 
uh, someone like Joe Biden, who supports all, I mean, as, as John MacArthur's rightly said, Romans one is his platform, the platform of the, of the Democratic Party. Then if, if I can't trust the pastor in the voting booth, I can't trust him in the pulpit for crying out loud. Mm. If he's going to go into the voting booth and check his world, Christian world biblical view on the outside, something's seriously wrong. Now, we can talk more about this, but I, everybody always misunderstands me well, they, or don't seek to understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to vote Republican, but the issue is the Democrat Party is absolutely corrupt. It is uh, openly clear on what it stands for, and it is godlessness from beginning to end. That's a good point, Tom. And yeah, I think you're right about the tweets, right? In in a world where you get, what, 240 plus characters or something like that. But anyone who follows you, who follows your Twitter account, I, I think would be disingenuous to make any other assumptions than you know, that you've worked through some of that process. You made a really good point, and I do want to dive into specifically this issue of trusting pastors. And, it, it, you know, I have never told anyone myself who they have to vote for, but, but I am biblically responsible, you know, as a pastor, as a church planner, to let people know who they can't vote for when those issues cross the line and and join us with sin. And so you're right. You cannot, I think, as a Bible-believing, faithful Christian, currently vote for the Democrat Party and stand right before God. That's just, that's the world we live in today. Yeah, we didn't create this. They're the ones who came out and said exactly what they stand for. And it is a godless view. So, I mean, listen, we don't identify ourselves fully with any political candidate. Right. Uh, We cannot do that as Christians. We can't identify ourselves fully with any political party. So our hope's never placed in a man. It's always placed within God. We know that the troubles that are in our country can never be changed by merely focusing on the political. That's absolutely true. It's only the gospel that will change hearts and lives. At the same time, the Bible's not silent about how we should view government. And wherever Christians are, as we see in Scripture, wherever Christians are present and living, society should be influenced for the better, and God's kingdom uh, can influence life, I believe, even on, on, on this planet even now. We're to be salt and light, and part of that salt and light when we go into the voting booth is we're saying we're going to go in with a biblical worldview, and at the very top of that list is thou shalt not murder for me, at least in the current ongoing policies that we're looking at. And it, I, I understand that there's all kinds of things going on in our life. You've got, or in our country, you've got the searing pain of injustice. I don't deny that there's injustices in this world because sinners are running this world for the most part. You have the unraveling of our social fabric. You have the riots that are taking place. I understand the concern about vitriol and public discourse that's taking place, even with uh, President Trump that often contributes to that. I get that. Uh, But there is no hope for defending human dignity in those other areas if it's denied in the womb. Mm -hmm. If we... If we are willing, as I've said many times, someone who would kill you in the womb should not be trusted to govern you outside the womb. This is not something difficult. I don't understand why it's difficult for evangelical pastors. Yeah, I agree. I, um, it, you know, I had to make a long trip. Uh, my wife and I just moved to Alaska t- uh, to plant a church here, and uh, Anchorage is about a eight eight 
eight to nine hour round trip. And, and on the trip, I was thinking through and kind of processing what I wanted to do for this podcast. And it it seems to me that just as you said, it, it should be a very simple issue. Now, you know, I, I would consider myself a pastor theologian. I'm low on that totem pole. I'm, I'm no brilliant man by any stretch of the imagination, but it just kind of seems to me that when a group of people come out and say, uh, like the Democrat Party has in their 92-page document, that, hey, if you vote for us, we're going to do everything we can to murder more children, to promote right. transgenderism, to yep. uh, promote homosexuality, and we're going to do what we can to prosecute anyone who stands against that. And they, right. and, and that, they put that document out in solidarity. Um, it seems like for a pastor, it should be as simple as, okay, uh, no Christian can vote for that because you are you have to join in with their sin. You have to lend support to that. We can no longer vote for the Democrat Party. And yet, um, I, especially it, a lot of the young, restless, reform guys, guys my age and, and younger are jumping on this bandwagon of, well, it's just a conscience issue. So I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it seems black and white to me, um, but why is this no longer just a conscience issue? Well, I think it's not a conscience issue anymore because of what you've already said, that they have, a, they have their agenda set. They have the policy that they want to um, carry out. It, it's very clear. I mean, let's take Romans chapter one that talks about the downgrading spiral, the the devolving, if you will. Um, there's not evolution, but there's certainly, in our, it's not a biblical truth, but devolving certainly is one and from a spiritual standpoint. And in Romans it's one, it talks about this. It says that, let's just listen to this, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, Romans one twenty nine, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now, let's just take that for a second. I know that anybody's listening to that they, uh, with any common sense, as you and I both hopefully have, we know that there are things that Trump does that fits into those categories, the boastful, the arrogant. We heard, you know, we saw the report or the article that Piper wrote on that. Uh, so I don't believe, I don't have any good reason to have confidence that Donald Trump is a believer So at, at all. But here's where the tipping point for me is, is that where it talks about they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. They're one to implement policy, the Democrats are, that carries out these very things, that implements policy that not only uh, that, that does give hearty approval for those who practice abortion. Because they want to fund it, they want to get rid of the Hyde Amendment that allows uh, you that would allow them to take our money and to fund this. And what you fund, you're going to get. It, you know, it's the old adage. You know, whatever your reward is, what you'll get. Well, if you're going to fund free abortions, uh, what you're doing is you're perpetuating this idea that abortion is a means of birth control, which is exactly what they call it. Yeah. So they see the murder of children as a means by which 
to allow woman to be promiscuous and a man to be promiscuous and for them to have no consequences for that whatsoever. What do they do with their sinful, when they reap what they've sown, they just kill it. Yeah, That's what the Democratic Party stands for in that category alone. We're not even talking about the LGBT issues. As I said the other day, they not only the Democrat Party stands for not only killing you in the womb, but if you get outside the womb, they're for mutilating you outside the womb. Yeah. When it comes yeah. to eight-year-olds, you know, and Joe Biden talking about transgenders. So we're in a very sick society right now, and there's no way that I can see that with a good conscience that someone can vote for that. Now, that being said, I think where the conscience thing lies in is whether you vote for Trump or not, Mm -hmm. if you will. Because uh, show me the policy, show me the policy that the Republican platform has that is evil and wicked at even the same level. They want to make, you know, this equivalency between Trump's arrogance and murder I, you know, I don't see an equivalency there at all. No, there's an equivalency in one sense, in that we're all going to stand judged before God, that those who are arrogant stand as guilty before God as those who murder. We understand if you hate someone in your heart, Scripture, Jesus says. But when Jesus was saying that, he wasn't indicating that so it doesn't matter whether you murder or not else, you know, someone physically. He was simply showing the guilt that lies within and, for, and where... Uh, murderous outward actions spring from. They spring from murderous hearts, which make us equally guilty before God. So if we're talking about equal guilt before God, then absolutely. If we're talking about uh, equal consequences and the results, the kind of results that it has upon society, you can't even compare that. Long after Donald Trump is gone, there are going to be, uh, babies are going to continue to be butchered in this country. So yeah, that's part of what I would say. You may want to follow up on that or press back a little bit. I think you made a lot of good points and you kind of hit the nail on the head when you talked about equivalencies and really it's a false equivalency. Um, I, I'd like right. to think in the most gracious way I can just to say a, a lot of guys in particular, church leaders are incredibly ignorant and and that's my being gracious because you know when you're when you try to correlate an individual's character Trump's character for instance and I, and I agree with you there is nothing that I see demonstrated that would lead me to believe he's a believer. Even if you were to compare one character to another, they're just as bad to be honest. One is uh, likes to tweet things, then the, the other seems a little more calm, but they both have atrocious character, if we can just be honest. And Absolutely. It, Once a butcher of, of uh, his whole career has supported ab- abortion and is as guilty of, uh, as the doctor who actually performs it, he is one who is for 47 years been in office, and for the vast majority of those years, because I don't know how, well, it's what, 73 was wrote, what wrote, so it's been 47 years. So the entire time that this man has been in office, he's done everything that he can to perpetuate abortion. Millions of babies have died oh, in his watch in the 47 years he's been there. Yeah. That's not true of Trump. In fact, Trump's done it more to uh, for the cause of um, uh, life than any president in my lifetime. I mean, I don't, I think it's, I wish he would defund Planned Parenthood. I don't know why he hasn't done that yet. I hope he'll do that in the second term if he's elected. Uh, 
but I'm not going to sit here and point the finger at him and say he didn't get it done in three and a half years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When Biden has not only not got, he has got it done. Biden has got it done in 47 years of, of making sure that uh, babies continue to be butchered and murdered in our country. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to drill down uh, again back to the, the Christian church. Um, it, it, it bothers me that it seems like um, so, so many in evangelicalism, whatever that means these days, um, just have the, the fundamental lack, the fundamental ability to come to a very simple conclusion. I mean, we, we don't get to change what the Democrat Party has um, said about themselves. You know, they have said in no unclear uh, terms that if you vote for us, this is what you're empowering us to do. Um, you know, we're going to murder babies. We're going to do all the things we talked about. And, and yet there are some very large platformed evangelical leaders who are, you know, saying effectively, you know, I, either, you know, orange man bad, you know, vote against him. And they're ignoring the moral implications of that. And effectively, they're encouraging people to join in and participate with sin because they don't like a personality. Right. Or on the other hand, you've got some guys who just recently have come out and said, basically, if we can't be all unified regardless of how you vote, if you don't like how someone else is voting, then maybe this isn't the church for you. Well, I just want to ask the question, can you really have uh, unity between uh, groups of people within the church who, one, are okay and complicit in joining with murder and others that aren't, I don't think you can. Um, but isn't it the pastor's responsibility to help folks understand why it's a moral failure before God to do those things? Shouldn't that kind of be the starting point rather than just jumping to, well, we should all be okay with everyone making their, their own votes. Whoever you support should be good. Absolutely, because I think that's part of discipleship, of helping people understand how we're, how we're to live in this world with a biblical worldview. I mean, these guys get it on other stuff. I mean, they want to uh, take every issue in the world from immigration to whatever it is to, to say, listen, here's how you need to think about, about this uh, in a biblical worldview. And I think those are good discussions to have. Um, we may have some disagreements. You know, I have some strong opinions about taxes. I believe that, you know, taxes, uh, when you're taking from the, the wealthy to give to the poor, uh, I, I believe that's showing partiality, and I could make a biblical argument for that. I think the wealthy should help the poor. Uh, forcing that to be done through taxation, I think, is you're hard-pressed to support that from Scripture. But that being said, I think that's a, a, a far more uh, open argument and discussion. We might call it an in-house debate that we could have within our churches. Um, just like we may have, you know, a theological triage of various doctrines that we say, this is, this is absolutely essential. You, you have to believe this. Uh, believe, you have to believe that Christ, Christ will return. You may, we may have differences in understanding about the mode of return and, and so forth and so on, and that's where we allow those things in our in-house discussions. Well, I think that's true in politics. Of course, we don't want to say that in the church that everybody has to ha have the same view on every little uh, nuanced issue. On immigration, for example, 
you know, regarding how we should handle those things, there certainly is going to be uh, some differences in opinions that I think we have to allow in the church. Of course we have to because they're not as clear. I, I, I think I can make a biblical argumentation about how we should think about those things. But it, it ought to be crystal clear about the issue of murder. It ought to be crystal clear about the issue of uh, LGBT issues. Mm-hmm. So when you have Biden who comes out and says, in the first 100 days, I'm going to make sure to pass the Equality Act, which essentially will lead to churches not being able to counsel individuals who are struggling with LGBT issues, counsel them that God can deliver them from that, transform them from that, uh, and make that it becomes illegal. I mean, that's a huge issue. In, In essence, we're saying the church cannot address sin. Mm. Uh, the trust and the church cannot offer people the gospel. It's going to take a whole swath of people and say the church can never offer them the gospel of Jesus Christ without there be being a, a retribution punishment for that. Yeah. So I think we've got to help people think more biblically and think better. Mm. Uh, I hated the old days when we just married ourselves in evangelicalism to the Republican party and, and, you know, that's kind of, you know, Christian equals Republican. I don't believe that. Yeah. But yeah. we've reached a point today, and I think it's been a long time, that, that Christians cannot in any way must be totally opposed to that, which is of the Democrat Party. So, yeah, we've got to start discipling our people in the church in how that their worldview must interact, engage uh, the culture of today. What I realize is that in in a couple days, uh, the initial, you know, voting stuff will blow over and then we'll go into whatever, you know, with counting votes and that sort of thing. But what's not going to go away that has been exposed is that, you know, we have a lot of leaders in the church who seem to, for whatever reason, not be able to, like we've said several times, just come to understand very simple right and wrong. You're right. We're not talking about, like you said, the immigration laws we can disagree on, taxation. We can make biblical cases for those. But on the grand scale of what's clear, black and white, right and wrong, it, th- those things have nothing on abortion, right? They have right. nothing on transgenderism. And, and abortion, by the way, and I, and I think you'd probably agree, it's not a quote-unquote single issue. Um, over 60 million infants have been not not just put to sleep, but they have been violently torn apart and murdered in the womb. That's sixty million reasons why we can't vote. Uh, and 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 nowadays, voting is joining with the platform just because they've made it that way. Uh, we can't get away from that. So you you don't get to say. I'm a pro-life pastor for Biden. You don't get to say I'm a pro-life Christian for Biden. It it's it lacks right. a fundamental understanding at best. It's disingenuous at worst because your vote is specifically lending power to people who will take that vote and intentionally murder more children with it. We don't get to do that anymore. That's right. And we have to understand that there's, there are some issues that are so foundational that they rise to the level of being a priority over other issues. And uh, somebody playing God and determining who gets to live and who gets to die, that issue right there, you're, you are fundamentally disqualified from being able to serve a, as a leader. I mean, I can't, you know, I, I just can't imagine 
that we've come to this point, but we hear, let's, let's take Lecrae's argument that he puts up on Twitter and he argues that, hey, let's just make sure we, let's reduce the number of abortions by providing health care and, and, and on and off. Um, affordable health care, um, the fix the income wage, you know, difference. There's always been poor people. When did poverty give you a right to murder your child? And when did we say, hey, we'll give you 50 bucks if you want murder? I mean, this is ridiculous. Murder is murder. If you want to talk about those other issues, then let's talk about those other issues. If you want to talk about how to deal with poverty, let's talk about that. If you want to, you know, if we want to, is there a differing opinion on minimum wage? Let's talk about that. I think those are types of in-house debates that we can have. But we do not allow and must not allow the sixth commandment. That's how I responded. How about we just obey the sixth commandment? Mm. Um, The sixth commandment is clear. You know, we don't take that which is unclear to trump that which is absolutely clear. And that's what's being done today. Another argument that's given by evangelical leaders is that, well, the Republicans haven't got anything done in the last 40 years on this. Well, I do think we have to understand the difference between a conservative uh, and a, a, a with a Judeo-Christian worldview and a Republican. There's Surely we understand there's a difference between those two. There used to be um, pro-life, conservative, with a Judeo-Christian worldview, Democrats. There, there are their problem maybe still are, but they're not going to ever be put up for election yeah. in any type yeah. of a national way uh, with the current platform. So, you know, one of the things that has to be understood is that evangelicals as a block has not voted for the last 40 years to eradicate ab- abortion. You just take the black vote along, alone. Uh, you take the black vote of evangelicals. They uh, many, many, many of them have not voted for pro-abortion candidates, but the majority have. When you take the fact of the high percentage of the black community that claims to be evangelical, uh, has voted consistently for Democrats for the past forty years. I contend and have for a period of time that if every person who labels themselves an evangelical would vote for pro-life candidates and hold them accountable Mm. and vote out those candidates that don't act in pro-life ways, then we could overturn abortion. There are, there's plenty of evangelicals in this nation that could do that. We haven't ever done it. And I'm going to say one other thing on this because, you know, I don't know if this is the case or not, but I saw something, if this is true or not, so I'm not going to mention the names. But I saw today posted on the Internet or on Twitter um, documentation that a couple of major evangelical leaders are registered Democrats. That, and I'm like, what are you, are you kidding me? I think some of these guys who are now saying, hey, we ought to allow for this in the church and we need to have more. We've probably been too tight on this, et cetera, et cetera. I think they've been privately voting for a long time for Mm. for the side for the party of death. And that's what the Democrat Party is. Yeah, absolutely. The party of death. That's a good point. And I try to I try to make this conversation always come back to the simplest decision making point for the most people. And that would be the issue of murder. Right. I mean, if if you profess to be a Christian and you don't think murder is wrong, you're just not a Christian. Or or maybe you're a brand brand new one and you've never heard of the Ten Commandments. But um, that should be so easy. And, you know, even myself, I read from an an article from a, a pastor my age that 
that I know on the East Coast. And, you know, basically the, the, art, the article is very uh, politically stated. There was no rights or wrongs mentioned. It was kind of a, well, we just all want to, you know, sing Kumbaya and be happy and, and don't be offended if someone votes differently uh, than you. But let me tell you, I'm offended if you profess Christ and you're okay with murdering children. That That's offensive. And it's not offensive Absolutely. to me. It's offensive to God, that's right. clearly. And, and I think nowadays in our current climate, and we're going to have a hard go of this, pastors now uh, are, I think, are obligated to step in because it's a moral, biblical, ethical issue and say to their congregations, you cannot vote for the Democrat Party. Uh, conscience is you can, I, I think you can, you can vote uh, Republican currently because they haven't platformed such blatant sins. I think you can choose not to vote biblically. I think you can write in someone biblically. I think you can do those three things and you can be right before God. I think there's wisdom in, in picking particular ones of those, but those are my opinions. But I think what we, can't, what we have to do as pastors and leaders is you have to tell your congregations, you cannot be right before God and support the Democrat Party. And I'm just not seeing enough of that. And especially with a lot of these younger guys, in my, in my estimation, it's kind of a cowardice way to tell your congregation, well, you know, let's just focus on, on Jesus and, you know, don't, don't be upset with each other. I, I just don't know how that's faithfully shepherding because effectively you're turning a blind eye to right. your people participating in sin. We wouldn't do that if someone walked into the church and said, hey, you know, I've had a few affairs on my wife, but I, I, don't, I don't believe in adultery, but I've had a couple affairs and it's not really a big deal. That person would be eventually put under church discipline um, right. in my church more, more quickly than sooner rather than later. But we don't seem to have that same mentality when it comes to lending support to something as evil as the Democrat Party. And that bothers me. It concerns me. Yeah, the bottom line is, I think a lot of these guys are trying to soothe their conscience so that they can vote for, for Biden because uh, or the Democrat Party, whatever you want to, at, at any time. Because there are certain things that they find attractive. They think perhaps that the they prefer the immigration policy, for example, of the Democrat Party, and they look at the Word of God and their understanding of the sojourner and all of those things uh, uh, impact them to say, hey, we need to care about life outside the womb, which I agree that we do. Um, Absolutely. And so they find those policies appealing, and they find the, maybe they find the Republican approach to that uh, repulsive, if you will, um, and therefore they're like, listen, you know, it, it's one side is they did this moral equivalency again. This side cares about life, uh, doesn't care about life in the womb. Uh, this side doesn't care about life outside the womb. So I'll just flip a coin, so to speak. And I like these policies better. Well, you know, that is so shallow in the thinking. Mm-hmm. Listen, I didn't like, I'm going to be straightforward. I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I was repulsed by his character. I did not believe that he was truly pro-life because he had been uh, pro-abortion, you know, the majority of his life and and everything that I had ever read or heard him say. Uh, He claimed that he had made a change like Ronald Reagan did, and Ronald Reagan definitely did make a change in that. But I didn't trust him. I didn't trust his character. But one thing I never once thought of is maybe I'll vote for Hillary. I never once thought that. And it has nothing to do with her immigration policy, 
uh, or any of those other issues. It has to do with foundational moral issues of creation, of life, and then how God has created us as male and female and how her views on LGBT issues. This is, I don't believe you have to vote for Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Donald Trump, but I think that it is sinful Mm. to use your vote as a Christian to empower someone who tells you (laughs) to your face that they are going to continue to work for the murdering of babies, and they're going to do everything they can to expand it, and they're going to do everything that they can to promote the godlessness of LGBT issues. Yes, it is a sin, and it should be confronted in the church, and you begin with discipling people and helping people understand why it's a sin, because I think they need to understand that. It's going to take some time. And I don't think yeah. you just move to excommunicate people from the church that vote that way. I think you love them enough, though, to have the conversation. Yeah. The most unloving thing going on is pastors who say, well, I'm not going to talk about it. Really? You talk about everything else on planet Earth. We should talk about the death and the murder of infants. Yeah, yeah I, that's a really good point. And I, I want to jump into that. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a comment that has shocked a lot of people because I truly believe it. And, you know, feel free to correct me if I'm out of line here. But I think ultimately, and I'll explain myself, I, I think ultimately supporting the Democrat Party for Christians is a church discipline, becomes a church discipline issue. Now, let me elaborate on that. After we go through the discipleship process, because I'm, I'm with you, it, it's going to take time. We've got to sit people down, help them understand why these issues are, are moral failures before a holy God, right? We've got to help people understand why we're joining and partnering with sin. We've got to help people understand, you know, maybe even just some of the fundamental parts of how the platform functions. A lot of people, they haven't looked into any of that. They haven't read the, uh, their 92-page document. I, I get all that. And that might take some time to work through with people. But at the end of the day, I think after due diligence has been done, if a professing Christian comes to the ultimate conclusion somewhere far down the line that, you know what, I, I see those things. Um, I understand them, but I just don't care. I'm going to put my support and weight behind this group of people. I, I think at that stage, at least for me, it becomes a church discipline issue. That's hard. Uh, I don't know that a lot of guys agree with that. I haven't heard anyone talk about that. And, and again, I, I want to reiterate, I think it can take quite a long time maybe to get to that place with someone. But if sin matters, and if we address sin in the church, mm-hmm. that at some stage, unrepentant sin which is what this would be, has to go in that direction. And pastors have to be willing uh, to, to do that. More importantly than that, though, I think pastors are going to have to be willing to jump in and take the time it's going to take with people. You know, this could be a really long process for, uh, for a lot of people, but it matters, right? Because the sanctity of human life matters. Absolutely. And here's, here's what I would say. You have three... I would say three types of discipline biblically. You have formative discipline, corrective discipline, and we might call it excommunication discipline. And even when you're walking through the Matthew 18 process, you know, it's not till you get to the final stage of unrepentance that you have excommunication discipline. So formative discipline, we're doing all the time. 
We're doing that with teaching people what's right and wrong, why this is truth, why this is error, how we should apply biblical worldview in this situation. And so if I see someone and I'm doing this, I do this in my church even now. And I'm not talking about, hey, you shouldn't vote for Biden. That's not the main point. The point is, hey, how should you be thinking about life issues? Yeah. And here's what this person is telling you that they're going to do. So formative disciplines, I'm going to go to them and say, brother, sister, are you think? Why are you doing this? What is your what? What's the thought process behind what you're doing? If they continue to persist in it, you move to corrective discipline to help correct their thinking. And yeah, I think that there could be a place where you reach excommunication discipline. Now, granted, that's not where you go around. Who'd you vote for? Whatever. I think right. these are people that we would see, you know, out there either in social media or maybe they're in the church spreading, hey, listen, this is a good thing to vote for. Really, are we going to allow that to go on in the church? We've got one of two things. Nobody can talk about political issues, no matter what they are, or uh, you are going to, if we allow it to be talked about, that the word of God's going to rule over how we talk about it. Yeah, And so that's going to apply different to different issues. So if I, again, if I have someone come to me and say, hey, pastor, um, I just hold a different view than, the, than I've heard you talk about regarding immigration. Um, well, let's have a conversation about that. Here's what, I, here's what the biblical words mean for sojourner, for exile, uh, foreigner. Uh, let's try to understand how that, how that biblical worldview would help us better understand this issue. At the end of the day, I, as I said earlier, I think those are things that we can have differing opinions about. Yeah. Um, let's take even the issue right now that's, that's, you know, they'll say, well, Trump's got, you know, kids in cages down at the border. I don't think the right answer is who built the cages. That's irrelevant. Yeah. 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 It's relevant in the sense of hypocrisy. Sure. Because these same people didn't, you know, care the fact that Obama uh, put them there or built them. But do I think that children should be kept in those areas? I understand that the whole, you know, it's overblown, I believe, regarding the issue of parents because some of these kids were brought across not by their parents. The reason they can't find parents is because they're brought across, brought across by other people who are using them to get into our country, which I think affects how you view immigration. But let's just take the issue of the orphan children that are down there. I think that we as a country uh, need to, and, and we should speak up as Christians, whether the Republic, Republican Party or Democratic Party, either one, no matter what they think, we should say, this is how these children should be treated. They shouldn't be kept in, you know, in cages. And of course, I know people are going to say, it's not really cages. It's oh, sure. Regardless of what it is. My point is, any Christian would, would have to say that when we have orphan children, they should be treated with the most, the greatest of care, concern, and our nation should should care for them. Uh, when we deal with issues of police brutality, if if they show up wherever they are, every yeah. Christian should speak out against that and should seek to do the good in their community to uh, to see that that doesn't occur anymore. While at the same time, not excusing the criminal or deifying them as if uh, you, you don't sometimes reap what you sow. So, I mean, this is just all of these things go together that we have to think through. It's not just a cut and dried answer. So, anyway, I went into a lot there. But, yes, I do think that – so, that, I, I think what I was saying is the formative discipline regarding yeah. all of those things. Yeah. We need to be teaching in our church our people how to think biblically about this. Yeah. And if we don't teach them how to think biblically, then – they're going to take CNN or Fox News to be the determining factor of what they believe about this stuff. 
So yep. why would we not want to talk about it? You know, part of being a pastor, it, we're obligated to do those things. I mean, like that, that's our job, right? Is to help people walk the Christian life, understand the person and work of Christ, understand what it means to be a Christian. And we deal with all those issues. So, issues, so we, we don't actually have the freedom to step back when these issues come forward and they don't just disappear uh, after election day, because now we know there are a plethora of people in our churches who just, for whatever reason, don't or, or haven't learned how to think biblically. And, and so we have to address those things. Um, and, and, you know, that's been my concern is rather than seeing a lot of, especially the younger guys stepping up and saying, okay, it, you know, how do, I, how do I address these things? The more leaning towards the side of, of just saying, well, you know, uh, we, we're just all unified, so it's conscience and, and don't worry about this stuff. Now, I, I want to ask you, do, do you think any of this, um, in terms of how a lot of pastors are responding, comes down to e- even uh, the fact that we have a lot of people behind the pulpit who probably aren't qualified and these things come from that issue. And, and what I mean is I wonder if a man in the pulpit is unable to distinguish something as, as fundamental as murder being absolutely wrong and, and we cannot support that. If a man can't come to that conclusion, is that someone we should really be trusting our families to in terms of shepherding? Is that someone who really, at least at that stage, belongs in the pulpit? That, that might be a loaded question. What I'm not saying is just because there's a pastor who doesn't fully, hasn't thought through or grasped these things, but assuming they've thought through these things and their conclusion is, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I think, I think it's, you're being a little bit reductionistic in that because I don't think that any of these pastors would say that, that I, I don't believe that murder is unequivocally wrong. I think they would all say that. Murder's wrong. I hate abortion. I hate this. But, it, but then they go on to talk about other issues. And so uh, they'll say, but Trump is a racist and uh, hates, you know, black people. That's, you know, murderous attitude. Of course, you know, we sure. can go all day and talk about how we don't believe that that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, he's been very clear about this at times. He, he's just not, you know, he's a buffoon in a lot of ways and says stupid stuff sure. and inflammatory things. But, it, you know, the other things don't seem to evidence that. I think what you're, I think what you're dealing with is a pastor who doesn't have the ability to reason well in the word of God lacks discernment. And so if a, what we're talking about is a pastor who cannot see that there is a, that there's not a moral equivalency between the murder of children and the issues of let's just take police brutality. Sure. So when you take, let's just take police brutality and it should be dealt with if wherever it raises its ugly head. But if you take the sheer number of babies that are murdered, okay, where it's legal to do so, it's encouraged to be done. It's not just a part of something that's happening, but it's actually something that is funded and they want to fund it even more and they want us to pay for it. Versus, I don't know anybody that has a platform of, we think more cops should kill more people. Uh, we think uh, we're going to reward cops that do that. It's going to be, in, we're going to codify it as law. So if we go back to when you had the issues of um, 
of codified law that was was uh, segregation laws and Jim Crow laws. That is wicked, is vile, should not be supported. And it was, uh, or, or slavery, it was Christians who were used to bring about the end of slavery. We, those are the things that, that cannot be tolerated on any level. And so that's the problem that I have. If a pastor can get up and say that he sees a moral equivalency between the problems we have within our country of racism, which do exist, with abortion, when there's not even a comparison of both the outcome and the rate at which it's taking place, it doesn't mean we ignore one. It doesn't mean, hey, let's not even care about this over here with racism because of this is going on. But we have to say, how can, why would I ever trust somebody who would kill black babies in the womb to care about black babies outside the womb other than to serve their own political advancement? Yeah, yeah. So that's the problem is we, yeah, I don't think you should trust a pastor who can't, doesn't have any more ability to think through things than that. Yeah. Um, Absolutely don't think you should. And that's been my sentiment. But let, let, let me add here too, just to reiterate, I, I think both of us would agree that the right way to go about that if someone finds themselves in a church that, that way is, one, pastors are people too. We don't get everything right. right. The, the right way to deal with that, it, you know, is to go to your pastor and say, hey, you know, I, I'm not sure I understand how you've come to the conclusion. It concerns me. Can we talk about it? Can you explain to me your perspective, your point of view, your understanding? And, and you do that rather than just, you know, walking in one Sunday morning and saying, that's it, we're out of here. I don't think that's right, the right, right response. No, I agree. And, and so, but, you know, just to reiterate, we're not telling people Sunday morning, just, just ditch your church unless he gets up there and says something crazy, which no one's really saying like, yeah, you know, all of you have to support the Democrat Party. That's not what we're talking about, right. obviously. But we do need to be aware of those things. And because right now, I think 2020 has just exposed a lot of weaknesses that we need to deal with in within the church. And those things don't go away. So as you've said, if, if a man can't process those things, how on earth does he shepherd through very difficult things? Because I mean, you've been a pastor far longer than I have, and and I've experienced in my short time pastoring just some situations with idiosyncrasies that they aren't black and white, right? You you struggle through uh, how to counsel people, mm-hmm. um, but if you can't if you can't see the very simple things, I just don't know how you can shepherd well through you know those difficult things. And so yeah, and I, it may be it may be emotion that's driving the pastor. It may be empathy because they you know they've had conversations with with people that, um, you know, have caused them to, to lean yeah. in a particular direction because of that. But yes, I think you should have the conversation with your pastor. I think you should seek to understand why he's thinking the way he's thinking. Um, and I hope that the pastor would repent of that and that God may use yeah. you to bring about repentance in your pastor for that. But the most important thing about a church is what it believes. And that that's not only in the issue of, of, you know, it's theological statement, but it's also in ha- what it believes about how we live as God's people mm-hmm. in this world and how we engage this world. Let me say one other thing yeah. for years. I have opposed individuals like Robert Jeffress, who is 
wrapped himself in the American flag and mm. has had these raw, raw services and brings in Hannity and brings in all these people. I don't, I, that, I find that repulsive. Absolutely. I've spoken out against it for decades. Never had anybody get upset with me about that. But then all of a sudden, when you have pastors doing the opposite and using the word of God to talk about how wicked and how much they hate America, America's always been racist and so forth, and use it to dump on America. And I spoke out about that. The same people who had no problem with me talking about Robert Jeffers, all of a sudden have are, I have a backlash from people because I say we shouldn't be able to uh, doing the other side either. I am repulsed by both sides. Yeah, I'm repulsed yeah. by anybody that says the Republican Party is our savior. And I'm also repulsed by anybody who would say the Democratic Party is somebody that I can attach myself to to accomplish good things, even though they are absolutely wicked in all of their agenda. We would have never overturned. Slavery would have never been overturned with that type of mentality. Uh, nobody would have been for for saying we just want to reduce the number of new slaves. Nobody would who would who would go for that. None of these guys would go for that today. Um, we we want what what needed to happen with slavery is it needed to be abolished. That's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. That's the only thing that I am willing to to hook myself to. If you do not have the goal to abolish slavery, excuse me, abolish abortion. I will not lend you my vote yeah, to, yeah. to empower you at any level. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's an important, you know, an important point you brought up, and, and maybe we can wrap up and end on, on this and just talk a little bit about the purpose and function of the church. I think it was a great statement that you made. Effectively, you just communicated that your heart and intention, and, and should so be every Christian pastor, is really to be right before God and for the church environment to be the way that God himself commanded it to be. And and so that means we, yeah, we aren't linked arm in arm with one political party over another. I, I don't know, I know very few people who have, you know, like Mr. Jeffries wrapped themselves in, in the Republican you know, party and have elevated them almost to a godhood kind of status, which I I myself abhor. Um, we we don't do that, but most guys and most guys aren't doing that. You know, our our goal is that the the church functions and exists for the glory of Christ, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and to promote a godly, healthy Christian community. And so we'll confront evils on every area. If next year the Republican Party platformed abortion, then you'll be hearing me tell everyone, you can no longer vote for that that party, right? And 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 so these issues matter, and it's not political. It it's it's our faith. We're talking about how to live out our faith, and so I would hope that listeners would be encouraged and want to engage in these conversations for the sake of the purity of the church. We deal with these things for the sake of the purity of the church, for the sake of the gospel witness. Uh, the world needs to know that we are different. They need to know that we love them, yes, but we do that by standing unashamedly for truth and on God's word and witnessing with the truth of the gospel. And we don't bring in these godless ideologies from, you know, wherever they may come from. And, and, it, and it's important to know what the church you're in believes, and we see a lot of that coming out. Yeah, so people need to have conversations with their pastors if they feel like it's out of line with Scripture, 
and there needs to be some some grace. But what we can't do is justify supporting a party that is rightly referred to as the party of death so often. Uh, so I've talked a little bit more than I wanted to, but yeah, why don't you just wrap up for us, Tom, with some encouragement to a couple groups of people, if you could. One, to pastors who are struggling to deal with this issue, and and two, to the, the general body of Christ who are looking at this and maybe maybe they're unsure of, of how to process right and wrong between these issues. If you could speak to those two groups mostly, and then whatever else you want. What was we'll the second group up. again? Uh, just the general body of believers who are trying okay. to process right and wrong in these issues. Well, I think for pastors, one of the things that we need to do is we need to remind ourselves that we are to disciple and shepherd our people to live life and in, in every area and every aspect. And I think that involves how they utilize their civic duties as much as anything else. And we're, we should be teaching them how to think about these things. Uh, we need to help our people understand where there are issues that we can have differing opinions as Christians and where there are issues that there can be no differing opinions. We need to help them think rightly through that. And we have an obligation to do that. Mm-hmm. I think for a pastor to stand and say, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. Okay, if what they mean by that is I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, per se, but we should be telling our people how to vote mm-hmm. in the sense that you vote. I, I, I talked, I prayed this in Pastoral Prayer Sunday, that, uh, and that's one of the ways that we can teach and teaching people how to pray about these things. We remind them that this, this world is not our home. We remind them that we're a children of God's kingdom. But we remind them that as we live in this world, we're to uh, help do good even to our own country and our nation around us by being salt and light in this world. And that we need to understand that as we take the privileges we've been given and we utilize them them to advance God's kingdom. And so two areas are going to be life and liberty. Hmm. Uh, And because those are two things in scripture, we stand for life and we work towards liberty. Now, if our liberty is taken away, then we deal with that. But I don't think we just give it up. Yeah. So I think we yeah. need to help train our people to understand that so that they under, that they become people who think with a biblical worldview and act with a biblical worldview. Again, if we don't do that, mm-hmm. then we're leaving them to just be blind to their choices, have consciences that might become seared, to think that they're doing, you know, okay, well, the pastor said that he's not going to tell me it doesn't matter. It does matter. We need to be telling that. For Christians, I think for what I just said, you need to learn to grow in being able to think with more discernment to understand how that, while it's true that there are no sins that are greater in the eyes of God in the sense of what brings us guilt before him, that there are sins that bring greater punishment from God because of the effect it has upon uh, others, society, ourselves. God's very clear in Scripture about these particular sins. Here's how I'm going to deal with them. Death is going to come if uh, to you if, if these are the sins that you participate in. And so I think that we've got to stop and think about what it means to, to do good to our neighbor. Um, you know, we, 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 Christians just are almost oversimplistic in their thinking mm. because they want everything to be easy, cut and dried. Uh, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to have to be conflicted, if you will, in thinking through things. And I think you sit down and you say, these are the things I will not compromise on. This is true in the gospel. 
I will not compromise on the inerrancy of Scripture. I will not compromise on the person and work of Christ as revealed in Scripture. I will not compromise on faith alone. Well, by golly, there are some things in this world I will not compromise on the issue of life. Hmm. I will not do it. Uh, and I will not compromise on the issue of, of LGBT issues and allow people's lives to be destroyed uh, by, by condoning and celebrating sin. Again, remember what this text says. Without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. When you vote for someone, you're giving hearty approval for them to carry out their agenda. Mm. So you stop and think about that. And there's not going to be any party that you vote for that is a 100% biblical worldview. But you have got to think through which one is an assault on the kingdom of God versus an affront to the kingdom of God. And there are certainly things in the Republican Party that are an affront. Hopefully, I'm not misusing that word, uh, but an affront to the kingdom of God. But in the Democrat Party platform, it is an assault mm. on the sanctity of human life, an assault on the kingdom of God and how it views people regarding even, even celebrating that which would destroy them. Yeah. Mm. The. So I, I think and that's the first time I've ever said that before, so I might want to think through that a little bit more. But off the top of my head, I said the things that are an affront to the kingdom of God versus a soul in the kingdom of God. So the listeners can process it and think through what they, they want, and I'll have to process it myself. But that was just off the cuff. Sure. Well, thank you, Tom. I think you've given us all some good stuff to think through and think about. And, you know, obviously our goal is to walk rightly before Christ um, and to live in a way that would bring honor and glory to him and uh, yeah, and build and edify the church. So no one's goal is to lift up any kind of political party on this earth. Our goal is to uh, walk rightly before God and hopefully um, you've given all of us some, some tools and some things to think through that can help us to, um, yeah, to walk rightly before God. So Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you been for having a- me been a privilege to have you. Well, guys, we hope this has been helpful to you. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast using your Apple or Android device, or you can go to the Striving for Eternity website and find us there. Also, if you'd like to support our podcast or our church plant here in Alaska, you can go to our Patreon. The link will be in the show notes, or you can simply go to uh, patreon.com backslash jolly missionaries and donate through there. So we appreciate your prayer. We appreciate your support. And as As always, go and let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.